How is your love for God? Uh, you can ask yourself this question is, when you're alone, when you're done with work, what do you think about? What do you do the first thing in the morning? What does it do the first thing you get back to work? Okay. Uh, there's many things we could do, but throughout the day, is there any uh, things where like, there's actually a joy, an actual delight uh, of thinking about God or read about the things of God? Okay, uh, Because I actually think that the life is... Uh, now, this psalm is a lot about deliverance from enemies. But I think this is why I want to deal with this, uh, divide this into these four verses, looking at this, with Hebrew verse 1, which is our subscript, and the first three verses, because I think this theme is so important that today we're going to see just these four verses, it's, I think, so much. There's five reasons why we should love God. And each one I alliterate it into five S. Okay? Uh, believe it or not, I spent some time thinking about how to make this into five S. I even asked my wife, like, huh, is there a word for this that's an S? And as I'm thinking about it, right? Fortunately, these days we have thesaurus, right? You click, right-click, and then you look for thesaurus, okay? With that, okay? And then sometimes a little creativity, okay? So today is going to be why we love God. And by the way, as we look at this, my purpose today is not to say, oh, if you don't love God, you're, you're bad, you're a sinner. Yeah, it is. We should love God. It's sinful when we don't love God. When we love something else more than God, it's idle. But I actually want to encourage us to say, why should we love God? Let's look at David and say, what is the reasons why he loved God? It's recording, okay? Uh, these are the reasons why we love God, okay? So if you're taking notes, this is the first reason why we love God, uh, Okay. Uh, but actually, before we... Uh, actually, no, we're just going to look at the five of us. But let me give an introduction with this psalm. This psalm is very long, okay? We're going to look next week. I hope next week we'll look at the whole rest of the psalm. But this is a lot, okay, in terms of even the commentaries I'm hitting. This psalm has 50 verses, okay? So unlike the other studies for the other psalms, I don't think I'm going to be as detailed, uh, just because it is what? Super, super what? Long, okay? So this psalm is very long. Who's Who wrote the psalm? David. David, very good, okay? It says that in the subscript, okay? Which, by the way, I'll argue tonight is, should be part of what? The Hebrew Bible. The subscript, where you guys see the part where it says, For the choir director, director a Psalm of David. Sometimes when we do scripture reading, oftentimes we could easily skip that. But we should include that. And we try to focus that, remind people in our church scripture reading to read that. Why? Because it is God's word, okay? Because this psalm doesn't, is a song. Not only appear once in Scripture, do you know it appears a second time again? Sure. Put your pinky or thumb and turn with me to 2 Samuel 22. Okay, you look at, uh, it says the first verse, I love you, Lord. Actually, the, it doesn't say that, but the, the verses 2 uh, in 2 Samuel, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. But now turn with me to 2 Samuel, okay? So if you're in Psalm, you make a direction to the left, okay? Which is, you skip through, what? Pro, uh, uh, Job, all these things, eventually skip all of that. And you land in 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. You pass Esther too? Yeah, you pass Esther, okay? Way past Esther. So keep on going right, okay? Right or left? Uh, you keep on going left. Uh, left, right. left, I'm sorry. Left, okay? Left. Yes. 2 Samuel 22? Yeah, pass Kings. Pass Chronicles. Okay? Pass Chronicles. 2 Samuel. Or you can use your table content, okay? Yeah, I got it. Okay, 2 Samuel 22. You see this part? And David spoke the words of the song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hands of Saul. What does that sound like? That sounds like the subscript. Mm-hmm. So the subscript mentioned more musical detail, right? For the mm-hmm. choir director, that kind of thing. Because it's made into a track, okay? Mm-hmm. So to speak, okay? It's like a remix. He's making it for the purpose of what? For the purpose of corporate worship. But you see it? It says, He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress my deliverer. So you see verses 1, it makes it very clear this is part of God's word. Then you go back to Psalm 18. 
the same part, the introduction is part of God's word because second Samuel is the same thing as important. So why, if what, what should we gain from the fact that this song appears twice in the Bible? Is this is important for God's people? This is important for God's people. Also, David might have edited Psalm 18 himself to make it more appropriate to make it into a temple worship song. Does that make sense? Or in preparation that it be become a song for the temple, okay? So in light of this, we're going to look today at the first three verses and also the subscript, which is the Hebrew verse 1, and say that we are to love God. Say, we are? We are. To love God. To love God. And now we're going to see five reasons. Okay, you don't have to repeat this part. Five reasons why. All of these are alliterated by S, okay? So let's begin first with the reality that David, he loves God. Look with me at English verse 1. It's straight off right at the back. Say what? I love you, O Lord, okay? I love you, O Lord. David here is personally telling God that he loves him. He's not just telling people, oh, hey guys, I love God. He now goes to God in prayer to say, I love you. My question has application even if this is this. When was the last time you went to God and say, I love you? Okay? I love you. When was the last time I you said... I do that said, every day, you know, during, that's good. during lunchtime. You know, yeah, yeah. When I'm depressed, you know, during program time, and before I eat lunch, or, you know, I feel like depressed, and I look at my phone, the, the, the Bible, the, the thing that I look at, the Bible, yeah. you know, and I just look at Psalm, and, and it makes me feel happy yeah. and joy, you know? Yeah. So we should go to God and say to God what? I love you, okay? Uh, also as well in this, uh, if you realize, this is the very first thing he states. Before anything else, uh, now of course there's a Hebrew verse 1 which gives the narrative details of the kind of what's going on. But the very first thing when he spoke to God is he says what? I love you. So many times our prayers, life is what? We could easily go to God with, dear God, I have all these lists. Here's my what? Shopping list almost, right? But the first thing we must do also at times is to say the priority that we must have the excitement just like David to be excited to say God right away. By the way, the word for love here, there's different Hebrew words for verbs for love. This one's a little unusual. We don't, this verb is rarely used for us to love God. This verb is often used for God loving us. Okay? Uh, you can see example of this elsewhere. Uh, I have listed, but for the sake of time tonight, we're not going to look at that. Psalm 102 and Psalm 103. So this is often, usually it's God that says He loves us to His people. But yet, you know what I find interesting is this, is David used this word that is often God saying He loves us, and he's saying, I love you back. By the way, when someone says, I love you, what's the right response? I love you too. I love you too, okay? I remember when I was, uh, when Rebecca was very little, a little baby, our daughters always ask me for telling stories, so here's a story, Okay. I remember when Rebecca was a very little kid. I think she was the only child we had. Uh, I asked Rebecca, and I think Nancy was pregnant. I asked, uh, no, I didn't ask Rebecca. I told Nat, uh, Rebecca, hey, I love you. And she says, thank you. And she says, thank you, okay? Now, that was kind of cute, right? Of course, we should be thankful. But then it was like, we don't just say thank you. When you love somebody, you should be thankful. But you should go further and say what? I love you too, right? So in the same way, God, David is using the song. It's not just saying he's, this is how good he loves God. He's doing this because God loves him first, therefore you love him. So in light of this, we must ask the question, why does David is so excited to love God? This is the first thing he says, and he uses the same depth of that same verb to say God loves me and saying I love you back. Why does David love God? Here's the other reasons. Number one, God is sovereign in history. 
Look with me again above our English verse 1. I'm going to read this part because I think this establishes the fact that God is sovereign in history. My point of this first S, that God is sovereign, is the fact that God acts in real life. Okay? God, listen, is not an active imagination in life. He is real and He is working in our lives. Even as we're going to go over, I'm going to make it clear. God is working, but He doesn't necessarily always work according to what we expect of Him. But nevertheless, He truly works, okay? So here in the subscript says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord these words of the psalm, in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hands from the hand of all his enemies, and from the hand of Saul, and he says, oh, oh, stop there, okay? So here, notice here, his reason is this. My point is this. Why does he love him is the fact that God is really working in his life, in history. In real life, God acts, okay? Yeah. Say this. God God acts. acts. Okay. Because the more I worry. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's let's yeah for the sake of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can God's we, always working. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just so that we focus so that we can end on time for dinner? Okay. We, uh, with that, because there's time for application. Uh, in the end, that's what I've been trying to add with this. Okay. Which is good. Good initiative, but just the bet right time. Okay. So we. Uh, my point here is that God does work in life. And by the way, the subscript. This is the longest introduction, of any. Thing. Because most introduction subscript is like Psalm 17, right? The above part, a prayer of David, a Psalm of David. But this one is so detailed, okay? But notice the detail. Notice the detail where he says he actually described two threats he faced. The two threats he faced is indicated by the phrase from the hand of, okay? You guys see the phrase from the hand of? How many times did that appear in uh, above verse 1? Twice, Twice, okay? which indicate the two threats that he faces, that God is acting and delivering him from, okay? These are the two threats. Number one is what? All his... Enemies. Enemies. Did David have a lot of enemies? Yes. Yes, yes okay. In the hand of Saul. In the hand of Saul. That's like his arch what? Enemy, okay? Now, think of Batman. Does Batman have many villains that he faced against? Oh, okay. yes. What are some of those jokes? What are the different villains he faced? Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze, okay. Anyone else? The Riddler. The Riddler, okay. What else? The Joker. The Joker, okay. Catwoman. Catwoman, okay. Which he has a really interesting relationship with because in the new comic, uh, he he marries her, okay. So the new comic, they make it and then they milked it, right? They milked it. I was reading the comic book. They milked They made it two issues long. I was like, okay, we're marching to it. Okay, drama, drama, drama. I was like, dude, what did DC Comics become? They become like a soap opera or what? Okay, anyways, let's go back on, okay. So, Two-Face. Two-Face? Okay. What else? Uh, ben Warts, you going to say someone? Um, I can say a ton of them. That's the message. There's even one called Clayface in the comics. Okay. Croc. Remember the guy that looks like a croc guy? Okay. He can go on and on. Okay. The penguin. Okay. But the his arch enemy, the biggest one of his enemy of all is who? Joker. The Joker. He comes out of his own movie. Now, nice. this whole sermon, yeah, is not to say. Yeah, actually, I think Joker is the closest literary um, character that is probably the closest resemblance to Satan. Okay, but let's go back on. My point is this: when G- when when David says he faced all his enemies, is Saul already included? Yes. Yes. Okay. Saul's included. It's one of those. It's one of those few things in life. Buy none, get one. Free, okay? It's just already included, okay? So in light of this, right? Now, so why does it say it again twice, okay? When it already says all his enemies, and then the second line says, from the hands of Saul. 
is emphasized. This is an ultimate human enemy, okay? But God had it where He delivered him, okay? And God is working, okay? Now, I want to say this is this. Sometimes, do you guys ever have to, sometimes you read the Bible and says, man, I wish I worked in the Bible. I, I wish I lived in the time of the Bible. God is always rescuing David. How come He doesn't, God, work in my own life like the same way of David? But I think when you see this context, I also want to say, it gives you the context that when David wrote this, when was this taking place? Who was going after him? Saul. Yes, nowhere in the Bible it focused a lot. The long ch- uh, book that tells us about Saul going after David was what? First Samuel, okay? In fact, Saul going after David takes up many chapters. Right. Chapter 18, say chapter 18? Chapter 18. To 31. 31. 31. How long is that? How many chapters? 13 chapters. Okay, I'm not a math major or son of a math major. Thank you, Mr. Byrne. Okay, it's civic engineering. Yeah. Is it? 13. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Four, yeah, you're right. Okay. 13. Yeah, yeah. You're okay. So, in light of this, these Psalms, very long is the description. I just want to put it out also as well that when he praises God, don't picture it, everything in his life always goes according to the way he want it, okay? If you guys could kind of turn with me to 1 Samuel, we're not going to read the whole thing. 1 Samuel 29, I just want us just to park there so I could kind of summarize. 1 Samuel 29. 1 Samuel what? 29, okay? In 1 Samuel 29, if you guys remember, David was a man of war. At this point in his life, he ended up being kind of like a mercenary. Because what? David is out to get him. He finally flees. He can't even trust his own countrymen. He has to go to basically the Philistines, who basically were often enemies of God's people. So he works for them. But then the Philistines then have this conflict, and they're going to go fight against who? Israel. So David is in this dilemma. Does he really want to fight his own people? No, okay? He does not want to fight against his own people. But yet God delivered him, okay? Uh, God delivered him and he what? Was able to be rescued with his men from this awkward situation of, oh, oh, what if the Philistines kill us if we don't fight for them? But what if we do fight uh, against them? We're outnumbered because what? We're behind enemy lines. And what if our own people are not against us? But yet now God allowed what? David to flee from having to fight his own people. So how do you think they feel? They're, so they're allowed to go back to their own people. How do you think they feel? Very, very what? Joyful, right? So they're going back, as it says in verses 11, that they arose in the morning, they depart. I can imagine they're never so excited to wake up early to leave, right? They depart in the morning, they return to the land of Philistines, the Philistines went to Jezreel, okay? Then on the third day, chapter 30, verses 1, they arrive to their hometown, which is where they had their wives and kids there while they were going off to war. But what happened? I can imagine they're celebrating, say, oh man, I haven't seen my wife and kids for a long time. We're finally back. And then guess what happened? Verses 1. The Amalekites came. They made a raid. And what did they do? They burned everything down. Verse 2. They took all the women, both great and small, without killing anyone. They carried them off to what? Their own land. In other words, they've been kidnapped. Okay? To Malachites. Okay? 
and they're taken away. How do you think these guys felt? How would you feel if your parents, if you're, if you have a wife or sisters, they're kidnapped, and then if you have kids, they're gone. How would you feel? Good. Terrible. Okay. Terrible. Okay. If you were to click on a Facebook icon, what would you click? Click like. Click heart. Which one? Angry. Okay. Angry face. Okay. And yet, by the way, this is so bad. Look at this in verses. I mean, the people. I mean, David even had his. Sons and daughters taken in verses 3, okay? And guess what? His two wives were taken away in verses 5. And how was David feeling? Not only did he feel the pain of this loss, but verses 6, he was also distressed. Because why? People were outright talking about what? What are they going to do to him? Killing him by how? Stoning him, okay? They want to kill him because what? They're like, they're embittered, okay? So now, (laughs) these guys who are so loyal with him, they went to war with him. Now they want to, what, <laughs> commit mutiny. I could imagine this point in his life, he feels like anyone, everyone is his, what, enemies. And he's thinking, what if my own wife feels bad? I say, why would you have to run away and leave us here? He's feeling very, very trapped. When this says in Psalm 18, all his enemies, you could picture, there's no exaggeration. In some sense, he feels like everyone is against him. Okay? So this is not proverbial. This is not how sometimes we can feel bad for ourselves. Maybe everyone doesn't support me. Literally, people were all his enemies and people wanted to what? Hurt him. His very own allies wanted to kill him. Saw his enemies, of course, even more so. Let's now turn back in Psalm 18. When he loves God, he, yes, God works, but sometimes I need to think you realize is this. If this is God's own special person that he's going to set up as king, that God still allowed him to face hardship, Hardship that he might not at that moment understand. How much more are we? Are we all called to be King David in our lives? No. Not in the same way as King David. How much more should we say we should still love God? I think maybe for some of us, we could say, when you look at your life, you can see God works in some spot. You can see God work very clearly, deliverance of some situation. But then you look at some point in your life and say, I don't know why God didn't necessarily deliver the way I expected. But still, do you say you hate God? No, you should still say you must still love God because He sovereignly is working in His history. We go by Him, just like in Psalm 18, the subscript says we are what David says, He is servant of God, okay? So in light of this, let us now go to, uh, if the first S is what? We love God because God is what? Sovereignly working in history. Now we go to reason number two. Reason number two, what does your outline say? God is David's strength. The second reason why David loves God is because God is his strength, okay? By the way, the second reason why we should love God is God is our strength. When you rely on Him, yeah, realize, you know, that is God is our strength, okay? Because verses 1, the second line of verses 1 says what? Oh Lord, my... What does it say? Oh Lord, my strength, okay? By the way, can I say this real quick? When God is our strength, that does not mean we are not physically tired. Okay? It's not mutually exclusive. God is our strength and we are physically tired. God is our strength is when we are physically tired, God still gives us His strength to what? Continue on. Okay? If I could just be honest with you, uh, I often feel tired. Okay? With ministry, I, I'm, I think I'm constantly tired. But that does not mean we don't we stop. Do not do the things of God, okay? 
Um, last night I had to deal with a pastoral counseling situation. I think it was really intense. I came back really late at night. Didn't involve anyone. And I couldn't sleep until, what, 5 a.m. Okay, then woke up, right? Uh, wife had to go see the doctors at 8. And I had to also be with the girls, right? Then we went to evangelize at Caltech, which I was really eager to go there, right? Then had to work on sermon preparation of all of that, okay? So I want to say, God is my strength. We need to be like David and say what? Oh Lord, my strength, okay? Say this after me. Say this after me, okay? It is better, it is better to burn out, to burn out than, to rust out. than to rust out. You know what I'm trying to say? Is this? Yeah. It is better to burn all your fuses than to be like a nice car, sit there in the garage, and die of rust, okay? I believe that, and this is how I live by. Because I believe that God gives us strength, okay? God gives us strength. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying, I don't want to give the wrong idea. That, oh, let's go do everything and never rest. I think it, truly trusting God means there's times you have to rest too, okay? Otherwise, you're, you're, you're making a point where everything depends on you. And that's a sinful idolatry too. So there's a place for rest. There's a place for sleep, okay? Uh, there's a place to, what, work hard and what? Pray hard and then or play hard, okay? But let's go back on here. Okay, so we see here with, with, with this passage, okay? God must be our strength, okay? God must be our strength. So let's go to reason number three. So this is, so this is when we go through life when it is hard. I appreciate you guys coming to Bible study. Because why? We go to work. It's been a long day. Sometimes things don't go well. And I appreciate Sometimes waking up, I appreciate Mr. Burton waking up early in the morning, going to work, okay? What time does Mr. Burton wake up? Old Dark Hundred, whatever Old Dark Hundred is. Goes to work and yet still goes out to pick up film, right? I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, all of you guys. I appreciate, by the way, our church members, every one of you guys. You guys had an option, many things to do on Tuesday night. I appreciate what? People driving far, okay? But when we're tired, I hope we go to God and ask God for strength, Okay? Because God is our strength. And that's one of the reasons why we could love God, okay? If you do the things of God by your own strength, you're going to hate God pretty soon and hate the church. You're going to be, man, I give all my strength, and look, there's no return. People don't notice. But maybe sometimes God allows that so that you could actually do things for the audience of who? One first. And using His strength, okay? And by the way, when we do things with the strength of God, there's a genuine joy, okay? Okay, if you ask me right now, am I happy? <laughs> I am happy. I am joyful. Because God is my strength. And I'm doing things because God loves me so much and I love Him back, okay? So God is our strength, okay? Reason number three why we should love God is this. God is David's stability, okay? So three S thus far. The first one is what? God is sovereign. Sovereign. Second S is what? God is David's strength or our strength, okay? Third S is God is David's stability, okay? This is captured in two phrases, or, or, or two fra- uh, phrases in verse 2. The beginning uh, part of verse 2, it says, The Lord is my, what? Rock. Okay? Then the other part, And my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. Okay? Uh, Phil earlier made a good question observation. Is What does that mean? Rock. Okay? So, notice it says in our English version, it says rock twice. But there's two different words for rock here. Okay? Two different words. But I think they're pretty synonymous, okay? I don't think there's major, big difference. And this is not talking about small pebbles that David pick up and, you know, like, you guys think of David Goliath, which 
uh, Josh brought up earlier. This is actually talking more about big, big rock, boulders. Okay. Um, I think what it's trying to say here is David is remembering his Bible. He's remembering the law of Moses, and this is a common title for God. Okay. Turn with me real quick to Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two. So if you are in the, if you can't find it, you just go to the oh, first book of the Bible is what Genesis. And then five chapters into it, you go Genesis, Exodus, what? Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. Could I have um, Rebecca? Would you be able to read Deuteronomy 32, verse 4? Yeah, I'll have you read too, uh, uh, Abigail, later, okay, for the other verse, okay? Is that okay? Uh, read it out in the big voice. Or loud voice. Thirty-two, verse Thank you. Thank you. So you see here, this is the song of Moses. This is towards the end of the book. Uh, Moses' life. He's singing back everything God has done through him and he's praising God. Okay? And here he calls God rock. And I think in the context here, he's saying God's all these attributes. But I think the emphasis here is actually on God is being stable. Okay? God is never changing. There's a sense where God is reliable. And by the way, uh, you see that God being the source of stability is not just only during David's life, but this goes back to God's attribute even during the time of what? Moses was praising God for that. So the point is this. God is stable and never changing as His character from all times of history. And in fact, that's His nature even before the beginning of human history. Okay. And by the way, isn't this a wonderful truth? We live in a world that's very what? Turbulent. Yes? Yes. Okay. We live in a world that's very turbulent. Things change so fast, okay? There's no guarantee of job stability in this world. There's no guarantee of many things. But one thing that is stable is what? God. And realize, by the way, this is David. Did everything go according to his way, his expectation? No. One moment he feels a high, like, oh, I don't have to fight my own people. Next moment, what? They took all my wife and children and kids, and now everyone's a dead. Oh, no. And he has to go to only one thing that he could trust on. Not circumstance, but to who? God. God, God is his source of stability. Okay? Uh, so aren't you so glad? By the way, aren't you so glad that we can believe God's promise? Yes? Yeah. Because why? God is stable. He does not change his words. Okay? Yeah. He does not change his word. Okay? That's one of the reasons why we should love God. Okay? Let's go to reason number four. Reason number four is this. God is David's security. So we've seen sovereign act, right? Is one reason why we love God. The second S is what? God is our strength. Third one is God is our stability. Now we're going to see God is our security. And it's definitely David's security. Now when you look at verses 2, there's many metaphors here for God's stability, uh, being our security, okay? 
that is being our protection. The first one, in verse 2, is he says, my fortress. My fortress, okay? This is a building that is protecting uh, warriors, okay? And notice, it's also described as in whom I take refuge, okay? Then there's also what? My shield, okay? My shield, okay? Um, back then, the way they do combat is often two ways, okay? You have two kinds of infantry. Uh, heavy infantry and light infantry. Uh, heavy infantry are the guys that are going to close in and what? Jab and what? Stab and kill. It's just close quarter, okay? So all their life, they're training to fight close quarter. But then there's also a different group of soldiers that are called light infantry. Okay? They don't carry heavy swords, and they dress very lightly because why? They're going to go harass those soldiers that are, you know, groups of them in what? Shields, they're approaching, they're heavy swords, and they're muscular and they're ready to stab. But then the lighter guys are what? Guys that are with slingshots, guys with spears going over there and throw. And then they're like, ah, oh, you know, and of course they have their shield blocking it. And then they're, like, they're getting offended, they're like, ah, oh, charge. And then they outrun the what? Heavy infantry because why? They're light, okay? They don't carry heavy things, okay? So here, when it says my shield is to protect what? When you're close quarters fighting with guys, you know, neck to neck, right? With hand to hand combat, or the guys that are lighting for you throwing things. So its shield is protecting from all kinds of different threats. So here he says, uh, my shield, he's saying what? You're my protection of all sorts of things, uh, whether enemies that are close or enemies that are far. Okay, coming from afar. So in the same way, this is God being our protection. What if a vivid imagery that would have been understood by David? Because why? David's life was often, he was serving as a warrior. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did you see also as well, uh, some version says the word fortress twice. NASB says the last phrase in verse 2 is my stronghold. Now this is a different word than the first word fortress. Uh, this stronghold, or the second word, is actually a high fortress that is placed up high for protection, okay? For protection. By the way, in combat, uh, where do you, what kind of ground would you want to be in? High ground. High ground, why? You're not much of a target, right? So if the light infantry guys come with their spear and slingshot, is it easier to throw uphill or downhill? Downhill. downhill, okay? And by the way, if you were to charge downhill to enemy downhill, who's going to be more tired? The guys that are running uphill to fight those guys or the guys that are walk, running downhill? Which one's easier? Do you guys remember playing, uh, uh, I think it was Ben Chung's uh, bachelor party, some of you guys went? Uh, I love that because why? We got to do hammer and anvil and all those things and you just, uh, was, but then the harder part was what? The hardest thing was when we played, the, you guys remember this? When we were playing, charging, and trying to get rid of the guys that are uphill. Because why? They have the high ground. Remember this? And no matter what, we all we, we couldn't charge and get rid of Ben Chung. And then Eric was trying to sneak in. Do you remember this, Eric? You're trying to sneak into the side, right? And my mistake was I was thinking, oh, let's put more guys as a hammer and less guys doing the side hit. And that was my mistake. Because why? We should have more because it's, it's hard going uphill, okay? So in light of all this, I'm trying to say is this. Stronghold, hold the high ground, okay? Mm -hmm. Holding the high ground, and yet God is our what? Fortress, okay? High ground, fortress, okay? By the way, looking at all this, there's a theme with all these metaphors. How many times do you see the word my in verses 2 and 3? 
Once or many times? Many times. Yeah, look at that. My fortress in whom I take refuge, which is not mine, but like you see that first person idea. My shield and my stronghold. So here is really an emphasis that God is our security, okay? God is our security. Reason number five we should love God is God is David's salvation. And He's also our salvation too. Do you see verse 2? It says, My deliverer. Now, I know in the immediate context, this can refer to physical enemies that God delivered physically from, like our physical life, right? But I also think Psalms, the more I read Psalms, it's also echoing. There's a little bit of hint of things beyond, okay? Psalm 18, uh, does it also in your version say, the end of Psalm 18, does this say Messiah? For your version? Uh, if you turn with me, Psalm 18. Verses 50. Does it say Messiah or, or anointed? By the way, the Messiah, Hebrew word Messiah actually means anointed, okay? So I think this is actually building anticipation for that. What do you see means like anointed mean? Anointed mean is the one that God sets apart as special. And the most special one is His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? So here's the one, okay, that is... The anointed one. I think actually, as we, when we go to Psalm 19, I think I want to even make it more clear. This is not talking about David. I think this is talking about what? God. Jesus Christ. Oh, the reason why is because any time, Psalm 19 is what kind of psalm? What does it talk about? W word. Word of God, yes? Word. And, uh, and if you guys were here before in our Lighthouse series, when we look at Psalm, anytime there's a psalm that talks about God's word, there's always a messianic prophecy yeah. right next to it. Psalm 1 what is about God's word. What's Messianic prophecy next to it? Psalm 2, about Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Psalm 119, what was the Messianic prophecy that predicts about Jesus? Psalm 118, okay? Yeah. Psalm 18 is talking about the Messiah. The last part becomes crystal clear. But I think there's already hints of that, okay? There's a hint of the language of that already, okay? With deliverer. And by the way, the word of horn of my salvation, okay? Horn is often what? You care with the animal, Right when you sacrifice, yeah. you sacrifice a bull, you yeah. kill it, and there's the horn of my salvation. salvation. Do you see that in verses 2? Yeah. And also as well, in verses 3, I love this. I call upon the Lord, who is to worthy be praised. I love how even when he says, hey, I call upon the Lord, he's going to save me, he has an interject. Hey, by the way, guys, God is worthy to be what? Praise. And he'll save me from my enemies. And when I read that, I was actually thinking about, who's our greatest enemies? In our life Satan But also Death Okay yeah. Do we have victory over death? Yes Yes Is it Did we accomplish that victory? No It yeah. is By Jesus Accomplished Christ. by Jesus Christ Okay First yeah. Corinthians 15 Verses 55 to 57 If you're looking at your outlines We'll just read it there It says Oh death Where's your victory? Oh death Where's your sting? Verse 56 Of First Corinthians The sting of death Is sin and the power of sin is the law. Verse 57, But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Death, our greatest enemy, has been defeated by who? By Christ. So, should we have reason to love God in light of the fact that we have salvation? Yes, even more so. Okay? Even more so. So, in light of all this, I want to bring up as application, question is this. Do you love God? Yes. We should love God, should we not? 
Okay? But when you, when you struggle to love God, who here struggles to love God? Raise your hand. I do. Okay? We struggle to love God. So now let's try with application in light of all what we've learned is this. How do, we, how do we cultivate love of God when we struggle to love God? Number one, read the Word of God for the purpose of loving God. Okay? Yeah. Not just only for rules. Yes, it's important to see rules and how, how to apply to your life. But I think the number one thing is to look, read the Word of God to what? Love, love God first. Okay? He is lovely. Okay? Read this, how many books are there in the Bible, guys? 66 books. Those are 66 love letters. Now, some of it might not address you right away, like Psalm 18. But you see what? God is lovely to His people, like David. Therefore, we should love Him too in how He works through our life, right? Okay? So read for the purpose of loving Him. By the way, take notes. You guys see this? Every day I take notes. You guys see this? Yeah. What are all these notes going on here? It's telling me, why do I love God? I read a lot of things throughout the day. But every day, I feel like in the end of the day, I say, I have to write something down, like that I learn, but also what I learned that makes me say, oh, this is why I love what God. So let's just say there's days that you might struggle so much to love God. Days where you feel so hard to actually pick up a theology book or the Bible. Then you could just say, oh, randomly go through this and then land my pinky somewhere and say, boom. Right? Why do I love God? Luke 6, 28 says, Blessed are those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And then you see, well, wow, this applied. Christ lived this out first. Wow. I need to do this. But isn't it so beautiful? Luke 6, 28. But why would I not in light of the fact that Christ took the curse for me? Okay? So all of this is what to cultivate that. You cannot obey God if you don't love God. In fact, if you don't obey God, that shows how little you really love God. So your first thing you need to deal with is actually go to God to love Him, okay? Go to God for love. So read the Word of God to love Him, okay? Second application question, fellowship with others to find out reasons why others love God. So you could be encouraged to also love who? God, okay? The reason why I love the church is because people love God. People struggle, but yet there's people that love God. Yeah. Imperfect people, okay? So you could just, if you don't know what to talk to people about at church, you're sitting there, it's awkward, you say, I gotta leave because I don't know what to say. One thing you could do is sit down and say, Hey, hi, Mr. Byrne. Uh, this week, what has God taught you about how lovely He is? And Mr. Byrne will tell you, Oh, well, Tuesday Bible study, or whatever Bible study, or His own reading, okay? Or you could go to prayer meeting and hear, not just what people pray, but hear how people pray. And then see, whoa, they love God. Wow, that moves you, okay? Listen, some things are caught, then taught. True or not, okay? So go to that, okay? And go to people and ask, even meeting up with people, say, hey, brother, I want to meet up with you this week. But when you meet, you say, you don't know what to say, say, hey, what are the things that make you love God in your life recently? And then they share, okay? Or in your life period, okay? So fellowship, so that you would be asking questions and talk to people with that, okay? Also as well, look at these five reasons. We've gone over five reasons. What was the Luke? Uh, uh, that one was Luke 6.28. It says, bless those who curse you. Yeah. Pray for those who mistreat you. Yeah, we need to do that, okay? By the way, did Jesus live that out? Totally. Yeah, okay? He totally became the curse for us in ways that 
that we never did by what becoming the curse, by taking the wrath of God, okay? By the way, the Bible says, while we're yet enemies, Christ died for us. You guys realize at one point, you're an enemy of God? And yet God redeemed us. How could you not love Him? He died for us, okay? He died for us, okay? I'll be honest. The first time I guarded prisoner of war, I didn't know what to do. I remember the staff sergeant brought these prisoner of war. And I remember asking the staff sergeant, what are we going to do? Like all these 19-year-old lance corporals and prior first class and private, okay? And then the the first thing the staff sergeant said, don't do anything to hurt them. And I'm, you know, I was like, you're 18, 19. The first time, all of us is new to war. It's like, what, is, what do we do? And the first thing he said, because why? And then it's just the most unusual things. Like, you know, you ask for water. And then you're like, water is precious. Okay, here's water. By the way, you can keep that now. Because I don't want your nasty saliva, right? That's crazy for an 18, 19 year old for me to co- co- compete I cannot compete that one moment this guy was shoot, trying to shoot and kill some Marines and now the next moment we're going to be making sure he has three square meal, square meal a day but you know what's even more crazy than that it's Christ coming on earth to die for us as sinners right how does that not move you okay when you think about salvation okay look in your life and ask the five S has God ever display that even to any degree okay has God ever sovereignly work in your life number one has God ever been your strength by the way if you look at these things and you say I don't see this pray to God for that to be true has God ever been your strength has God ever been your security has God ever been your stability has God ever been your salvation and even if the first four you cannot see is true there's one thing that's always true and that is Christ is our salvation. Yeah, amen. He died in history. Amen. Right? By the way, sometimes I think this is why apologetics is important. Sometimes in your own life, you might say it's hard to see there's God. He loves you. But it is objectively true that Christ died and was yeah. raised from the dead. Amen. Okay? Amen. That is objectively true. Even amen. the enemies of God wrote about His death and His unusual, something unusual happened on the third day, which I think is proof that He was raised from the dead. Amen. Okay? okay? So in light of this, let's close in a word of prayer.